President of the United States was assassinated. Every year on November the 22nd, there are crowds of people that go to Arlington Memorial Cemetery. They watch the changing of the guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier, and then they climb the hill to Kennedy's eternal flame. They do this to remember the man, John F. Kennedy. But what most people don't realize is that November the 22nd, 1963, is a day when there was another man who died. His name was C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis had been a man who had devoted his life to God. He was a man who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He wrote many, many, many other books. He wrote many books about heaven longing and dreaming of the day when he would journey there. And even though on that date, November the 22nd, 1963, there was hardly a mention of his passing because all the newspapers were so focused on the assassination of the president. Even though no newspapers remembered him, I believe he had a great homecoming. Likewise today, Good Friday, is a day when we celebrate the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And there are billions of people around the world today that will not mark this day. They won't remember Him. They're not going to gather in churches. They're not going to spend time remembering this person, Jesus Christ, who gave His life for them. But we do so. In this place we gather to remember of the importance of what Jesus did on the cross for each one of us. Today I, I don't want to talk about what happened on the cross. I want to talk about why it happened. What was it about the cross? Why did Jesus have to die for each one of us? And the passage I want to talk from this morning is probably one of the best known passages in all the Bible. It's that passage John three sixteen. John 3.16, I mean, you watch a sporting event, there's usually some guy with crazy hair holding a big sign up in the end zone. John 3.16. and It's, it's a, a passage that most of us know by heart. And so it's going to be on the screen behind me, but I just want all of us to say this verse together. You can either say it by heart or you can read it off the screen. But let's all of us, it's a very short verse, let's just say this verse together. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This verse is the gospel, the good news in a nutshell. If you are only going to memorize one verse in the entire Bible, this is the verse to memorize. Because in this verse we see what God has planned for each one of us as his children. If you look at the word gospel and use the letters G-O-S-P-E-L, God's only son perished eternal life. That's the heart of what it is. In this verse that has only 25 words in it, you will see that the middle word, the 13th word, is the word son. The first 12 words talk about God. The last 12 words talk about us, mankind. And it's a picture that the Son, Jesus Christ, stands be between God and between mankind. And Jesus pays our debt. This passage says four things that I want to briefly talk about today. Number one. It starts off by saying this, For God so loved the world. Today in Good Friday, I want us all to acknowledge God's great passion. I want us to understand why Jesus went to the cross. He did it because He loves us. He did it because He wanted us to be saved. 1 John 4, 9 says, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. You want to define love? This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God demonstrated His love for us in sending Jesus. He didn't simply speak the words. He showed us. He showed us in a tangible, real way how deep His love was for each one of us. 
The Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian church in 3.17. Ephesians 3.17, he said, And I pray for you, being rooted and established in love, that you may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What Paul is praying for there, he's saying, Church, I want you to get it. I pray that you would have power. The word in the Greek is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from. I pray that you would have the power, the Holy Spirit power, to understand the love of God, not just to know it here in an intellectual way. He says power to really get it. Power to grasp. That word grasp means to take hold of it. To be able to feel it in your hands. He said that you would know the love of God. And that word is an intimate understanding of. I mean, you can read a travel magazine about the city of Rome, but you don't know the city of Rome until you go and you visit it and you live there for a spell. And then you know it. And unfortunately, in the church of Jesus Christ, there's way too many people who understand that God loves them, but they've never truly experienced the love of God in their heart. They've never truly felt the passion of what it is that Jesus did on the cross for them. What is the love of God like? The love of God, this passage says, is long. How long is it? It is long enough to last forever. Human love tends to wear out, doesn't it? You may have a couple that's so much in love, but a year later it's like they can't stand each other. Human love tends to be fickle. The love of God is not. The love of God is long, long enough to last forever. The love of God is wide, wide enough to be everywhere, to cover all people. There may be times in your life when you feel alone, but the love of God is wide and that ensures us that you will never truly be alone. Because there is nowhere you cannot go on this earth where you will not experience the love of God. The love of God is deep. It is deep enough to handle any crisis in your life. You may say, you know, I'm in the pits right now. I'm in like a, it's like I'm in a dark hole. There is no hole. There is no valley that you can go that the love of God is not deeper still. And the love of God is high, high enough to overlook your mistakes, high enough to cover your sins. No matter what you have done, no matter where you have been in life, God's love is able to cover you, if only you will receive it. For God so loved the world. Number one, acknowledge God's great passion. But number two, this passage goes on to say this, that He gave His only begotten Son. That means that we need to appreciate God's great present. God loves you so much that He has a gift for you. Isn't it nice when someone loves you enough to give you a gift? God wants to give us a gift. And it's the most precious gift that has ever been offered. The gift is Himself. God didn't send an angel to the earth for us. He didn't send a prophet or a teacher. He came Himself. He came incarnate, which means in the flesh. He came to die on our behalf. That's why Jesus came. That's the reason for the cross. He came to give His life as a sacrifice for ours. I once heard about a soldier during the Second World War who had been in battle and he had been wounded and his arm had been crushed in fact his arm was so badly crushed that it needed to be amputated and when this man finally came out of medication the surgeon was there at his side and he looked down at this man and he said I'm sorry son I'm so sorry but I have to tell you that you've lost your arm and the soldier looks up and he said lost my arm I didn't lose my arm I gave my arm. I gave it for France. And Jesus didn't lose his life for us. He gave his life for us. No one took his life from him. He offered it willingly. We see at his arrest that he could have called upon legions of angels. He didn't have to go to the cross. No one made him do it. He did it willingly. He walked to the cross. And as you saw what this video said, it wasn't the nails that held him there. It was his love 
that held him there. The Bible says that Jesus was crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning. That means it was the third hour. In those days they measured from 6 o'clock, sunrise in the morning, 6 o'clock was, was the beginning of the day. So the third hour is three hours after 6, which was 9 o'clock. So he was crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning. And it says that at noon, at the sixth hour, the time when the sun was brightest in the sky, it says that darkness came over the land. At the time when the sun should have been shining its brightest, darkness came over the land. For three hours until three o'clock in the afternoon, from noon until three o'clock, this darkness came over the land. Why the darkness? The darkness came over the land was just a representation of what was in the heart of Jesus Christ. As the sin of the world, every bad thing, every terrible thing, every injustice, every abuse, everything that had ever been done since the beginning of time was placed upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. And as God and His Son, who had always existed in relationship with one another... As God looked down on His Son on the cross, He could no longer look upon Him because of His sin. And so they who had always been together, since before the creation of time, they who had always been together, suddenly God the Father had to look away. He couldn't look at His Son. And they were separated. And in that dark time, Jesus cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus in his humanity at that moment was truly understanding what it was to be separated from God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It said that the only man-made thing in heaven are the marks on the hands and feet of Jesus. The only man-made thing in heaven are the marks on the hands and the feet of Jesus. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The passage doesn't end there. It goes on to say this, that whoever believes in Him should not perish. In other words, today God wants us to accept His great proposal. Whoever believes in Him should not perish. God has an incredible gift for us, and that gift is eternal life. God doesn't want us to perish. Romans 3.22 says, The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God and they are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. There's only one condition, only one thing that God asks of us to receive that gift and that is that we believe Him, that we put our trust in Him. Belief doesn't simply mean that, that we believe in Jesus. In other words, that we say, oh yeah, I believe that Jesus was God. I mean... People believe in Jesus. People believe in the, the historical person of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in a recent Newsweek article, more than 85% of the American population believed that Jesus was real. But it's not just believing that Jesus was real. Even the devil believes that. The devil knows that Jesus was God. It's more than simply believing. It's putting your trust in Him. Let me explain it this way. I believe in Karl Marx. I believe that he was a historical figure, but I'm not a communist. <laughs> I believe in Adolf Hitler. I believe that the man existed, but, but you know, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a Nazi. You, you can believe in a person without accepting them. To believe means that you put your trust in him. To believe in Jesus means that you commit yourself to him. That you don't accept the concept of Jesus but you have a relationship with the person of Jesus. As Bruce Larson said, the events of Easter cannot be reduced to a creed or a philosophy. We're not asked to believe in the doctrine of the resurrection. We're asked to meet the person raised from the dead. In faith, we move from a belief in a doctrine to a knowledge of a person. Ultimate truth is personal. We meet Him. He is alive. And the living Jesus is here today in this room with us. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? But have everlasting life. That God's plan for each one of us is to have a relationship with us, a relationship that lasts past death, a relationship that will last until eternity. All of us were created as eternal beings. All of us, a million years from now, will be alive. We will still be alive. The question is where? There are two places that God has prepared. There is a place called heaven and there is a place called hell. Heard the story about a rich man. And this rich man really wanted to take all his wealth with him. And so he told his wife, look, I'm about to die. And I want you to take all of my money. And I want you to take it up to the attic. And I want you to put this big bag of money up in the attic. And when I die, as my spirit leaves my body, it will go up through the attic. And I'll grab that money with me. And I'll take it up to heaven. And so the man grew ill. And and eventually he died. And his wife ran up to the attic. And that big bag of money was still there. And she thought to herself, Man, I knew I should have put it in the basement. (laughs) Yeah, that's an awful story, isn't it? Yeah. But what I'm trying to say by that is this, that there are two great realities. There are two great realities. There is a heaven and there is a hell. God wants us to go to heaven. God wants us to be with Him there. For God so loved the world, He so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son. That whoever believes, that whoever accepts, that whoever trusts in Him won't perish. But they will have everlasting life, everlasting relationship with God the Father. You know, years and years ago, there were many people that came from Europe to the United States. And all of them came through basically one point of entry. All these ships were crossing the Atlantic Ocean by, by, by people leaving Europe because of one problem or another. And they would all come to a place called Ellis Island. Ellis Island was this place where the ships would park and hundreds and thousands of people would get off these ships. And they had these, these huge dormitories filled with rooms. And the people would go and they would usually stay in one of these rooms overnight while their paperwork was being processed. And after their paperwork was processed, then they were free to go out into this great country of America, this this wide place, and and find a life for themselves. But now picture yourself as one of those immigrants. Picture yourself having spent months and months on, on traveling. You know, months on a ship, in crowded compartment, surrounded by people, fleeing this terrible life that you had known. And suddenly you get to America and suddenly someone gives you this room, this dormitory room and says we want you to stay here overnight until we process your paperwork and then you can leave. And you go to that dormitory room and you look around and you go, wow, this is great. I mean, this is much bigger than my home back where I came from. This is much better than being on a a crowded boat. You know what? I'm just going to stay here. And you pull out a picture and you hang it up on the wall and you set up your furniture and you, you put, you know, you, you, you start fixing up the room. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? Because you see, that's just the preparation point. That's just the entry point. That's just the beginning. That's just the overnight stay before you go on to what really awaits you. And likewise, this life is the Ellis Island of our existence. This life is, is, is only the waypoint. It's temporary. We're not supposed to get comfortable here. We're not supposed to make ourselves at home here because we know that this isn't our final resting place. That God has a much better place He's preparing for us. That this is just the overnight. This is just the, 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 the time that we should be preparing for the next life. And so this day... We remember as we come to the communion table, as we take time to remember again the power of the cross, we take time to remember what God has done for each one of us. That Jesus died on the cross to give us life, life abundant, life eternal with Him in glory. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You, Lord, that we can gather together here today. The Lord, we remember your death. The Father, this is the most central point in human history. Even time itself 
is separated A.D., B.C. because of this event. And so, Father, we come this day to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the life of Jesus. Thank you that he died, but that he rose from the dead. And that he's alive today and he's with us here today, offering eternal life to all who would put their trust in him. We thank you, Lord, for this. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask the German worship team if they can come forward. They're going to sing a couple of songs for us. As the German team is singing these songs, kids, you are invited to head up to the fellowship hall. Uh, There's going to be a brief program there while we have the communion time here in the sanctuary. Okay, so kids, if you can be dismissed and, and head off to your time in the fellowship hall, let's... Not lose, you know, with all the commotion. Let's, let's not lose our focus here. Let's use this time as the German team sings to really prepare our hearts as we come to the communion table.
They were having steeds chan, actual and pudding and deed sign, and we loaded you an to this on dark here from the Elsamarius, and loaded you an what I noted dash to come over more top to Holland as humanity. And all day, what a make from this humanity is and we loaded you an, and that you can my aunt's top that over more fear and God. At a Jesus in doubt, we have a creature starving us, Dr. Fear and Fendel Samarius. You have for the Yeshech you hear, and that's not the word of Yeshech, and that's what the English should have been saying. Would this, this is a person that had been peed, but not cost the field to have peed for him. And so, they had not been so much eaten and proved that they had been very, very, very peed to for him. And had it appeared mass but to you crying that they had more clean bass and not eaten died and then starved or peered. And we had them that they had showed that they appeared new starving because they had them that mass aufgewandt, nicht mehr zu eaten. And what you crack so as it flake master mattered jesslicher. We glaive and we can that jesslicher leben han. Und ich spese von der Jäßliche. Und wir weiten, dass Jesus, Jesus ist unser Jäßliche Späße. Und es bloß derich an, dass wir können das Leben haben und ein Leben bleiben in Jesus Christus. Und so, wenn wir von der das Übermal führen, und ich will haben, wie soll unsere Gedanken durchhauen, wie haben das Leben, wie ist Jesus, hat sein Leben gegeben. Wie haben Leben, wie es Jesus gestorben ist. Und so wir laden uns an, wenn wir dort oben mal holen dann, dass wir diese Gedanken holen dann, dass es bloß weiß, was Jesus hier tun hat, dass wir von hier von der Samaria sind und dass wir das auch ihr Leben haben. Just a few thoughts before we get into our communion service. There's a fable or a, a story, and it's not a true story, about this person who tried to wean his horse off eating. And he, tr- he, he gave him less and less food every day. And the horse was fine until one day the horse died. And he was very sorry that he thought he had almost accomplished that 
his horse could go without food, and then it died. What I want to say this morning, as we come to the communion table, we need physical food to survive. That is important. I mean, we cannot survive without it. And in the same way, we believe and we trust that apart from Jesus, there is no life. There is no spiritual life. There is no life eternal. There is no other way except through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus himself said, the bread of life. And to have a healthy relationship with God, we need spiritual food. And so this morning we celebrate the death of Jesus, not just as a historical event, but as something that has given us life. In John 6, verse verse 51, it says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So his death is what gives us life. Another verse says, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. So we come to this table this morning fully realizing what God has done through his Son. And as Steve already spoke, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The gift of his Son. I'll ask the uh, deacons to make their way up. Just a word of instruction, this morning we're going to be, uh, you you remain seated, we're going to distribute and serve you in your chairs, and and so uh, we invite you to participate. If you understand and if you have experienced the life of Jesus, if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, even though you're not part of this church and in this, in this, uh, 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 tend here, but we invite you to celebrate together as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ from different areas, from different places, from different churches. And so we do that because we are united in Christ because of his death. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread And he gave thanks. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you that you are the giver of life. You say that you are the bread of life. And Lord, as we are holding this loaf of bread, this symbolizes that you have given your life, you have died, that we might live. That this bread, this Jesus, might sustain us, might give us what we need to live in this world and to follow and to serve you. And so we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We thank you for giving your life, for dying on the cross. And so we pray that you would minister to us through this, this morning. After he had given thanks... He said, or he, uh, he said he broke it. And he said, whenever you eat this, do this in remembrance of me.
Did we miss anybody? 
Buddy. <clears throat> the bread symbolizing Jesus' body given for you and me. So let's eat together remembering Jesus gave his life for you and me. Let's eat together. In the same way, after, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this cup, which signifies the blood of Jesus poured out for the sins of the whole world, poured out for me and for you, the blood that washes away all sin. And we thank you, Jesus, for being willing to shed your blood, to give your life, that we could be free, that we could be set free from the law of sin and death, and that we could live. Thank you again. Amen. Is it enough for each one?
on the night he was betrayed, he took... Did we miss anybody? I know it was... Had to get some extra there. Okay, thanks, Jake. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Let's drink together Jesus' blood shed out, shed for you and me. Let's drink together. Just pass your cups to the uh, ends, ends of your rows, and they will be collected. thank you for celebrating with us this uh, morning here at LEMMC. Thank you for coming out and for uh, visiting us. And uh, we uh, anticipate a great uh, uh, Easter morning. And so wherever you celebrate, again I want to remind you that it is all because of what Jesus has done on the cross and his resurrection that you and I can live today. Also, I want to just announce, uh, we didn't take up an offering this morning, but if you came prepared to give an offering, there are some uh, boxes back there or baskets where you can put some money in. That goes to the Deacon Fund to help people out in our community and needy people. Thank you for coming. I want to just give you your blessing. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, honor, power, and authority forevermore. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be very gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and give you peace as you serve him. Go in peace and God bless you. You're dismissed. <clears throat>